Friends, good to be with you all this morning as we get into our day. It's Holy Week. It's Wednesday. Uh, yesterday, we considered a lot of teaching that Jesus gave. Uh, in fact, Thursday will probably be another day that's quite heavy with with teaching. I, I probably could have uh, considered uh, taking us into the book of John because John chapters 13 through 17 uh, are all teaching by Jesus that takes place on the Thursday night uh, of uh, prior to his crucifixion in the upper room. It's called the Upper Room Discourse, John 13 through 17. You may have read yesterday that there is uh, a gathering. Uh, Jacob and Courtney are going to hold a gathering. Uh, and I was thinking about it this morning uh, on Thursday night at their home. Uh, 
and I haven't even talked to Jacob about this yet, but the idea of replicating quickly, we need to learn how to multiply much more quickly than, than what we do. We, we take forever to multiply things. And uh, uh, I need to talk to my wife. I'm not sure what she has Thursday night. It's a busy, busy, busy camp season uh, for her, a lot of work, a lot of extra. But uh, uh, the idea of having a few more homes that would be willing to host a communion and uh, uh, the reading of Scripture. Uh, Jacob may do his differently, Kate, Jacob and Courtney, uh, but I thought, man, if we could replicate these out and just real quickly say, hey, we have some small gatherings of people uh, in three or four different locations, learning to multiply things quickly, uh, I think it would be wonderful. And it's simple. It's reading of Scripture. It's prayer. Uh, it's communion. Uh, could even be foot washings in, in some instances. I'm not sure if that's a Quaker practice or not. Uh, my upbringing in the Church of God after I became a Christian, that was a part of what we did. We did not consider it an ordinance of the Church, but it was certainly a practice that uh, was engaged in. Uh, as well, to think about the fact that Thursday night is also Passover um, in the Jewish tradition, and Jesus and the disciples were there to celebrate Passover. So uh, a lot of things come together on Thursdays. So I just I want to throw that out there. I'll be, be watching today and tomorrow. Uh, there is definitely, ha definitely one gathering at Jacob and Courtney's on Thursday evening. I think they said 6.30. Uh, in my thinking, it's, hmm, why not replicate those in a few other locations as well? Uh, uh, I'm thinking maybe out in the Brooks area, possibly, and uh, could be even down in the Northport area. I'm dropping hints here, uh, uh, and here at our home in Belmont. So uh, to have several locations of people kind of doing similar things, uh, or everybody go to Jacob's house, that's fine too. So either way, but it's a night to think about. It's Holy Week. It's a night to think about what... What, Jesus, what would have been happening in the life of Jesus. Uh, or you can go to uh, uh, Fairport, uh, Virginia, down close to Reedville, if you'd like. Go down and join Steve and Priscilla at their church at Fairport Baptist Church in Reedville, Virginia. Then again, on Friday evening, we'll be having a Good Friday uh, evening service. And it's going to be participatory in some measures, I've got a few things I'm throwing into the mix to, to help us engage a little bit more with what happens uh, on Good Friday, the service. So, I mean, there are options and opportunities for growth. And uh, give a shout out to Northwestern Pennsylvania. I missed you yesterday, uh, Anthony. Good having you listening in with us as well. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 26 today looking at... Uh, uh, looking at the, the passages uh, in Matthew chapter 26, so I'll pick up with, with the plot to kill Jesus, then we're going to talk about beauty and betrayal. There are really two things that happen. It's more Wednesday is actually more of a quiet day in the life of Jesus in many ways, but yet there are a few significant things that happen. So let's get into the text. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, now remember, he had just pronounced woes uh, upon the Pharisees. They were not happy. He had confronted them. He had called into question their practices. And uh, uh, 
when Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, as you know, Passover begins in two days, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Uh, uh, at the same time, the leading priests and elders were meeting at the residence of Caiaphas, the high priest, uh, plotting how to capture Jesus secretly and kill him, but not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Uh, they weren't going to capture Jesus, but they were, uh, during the Passover, at least that's what they said, and yet it would change rather, rather, rather quickly. And uh, <clears throat> uh, as, as things unfold on that Wednesday and Thursday, uh, we will see things happen that will uh, expedite the process uh, for those religious leaders who were plotting to kill Jesus. You go down a little bit further in the text. It says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previous, who previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. Now, I just want to stop there for a second and talk about expensive perfumes. Um, you see Cole's Sephora. I mean, it's their coals to make ends meet. Um, uh, they have merged with Sephora, who is a perfume uh, seller. And if you go through large airports, especially hub airports like Dublin, Ireland, or even uh, Qatar, where I was, uh, and then and then there are other large. Uh, airports in America, but I, I've I've noted it more overseas than, than here in America. Um, selling perfume is a big deal, and it ain't cheap. Not cheap at all. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Yes, I enjoy when, when people smell good. I like it when I smell good. Um, you know, there, there's there's the scent of perfume that, honestly, sometimes and I'm just being honest. Sometimes some of it can be intoxicating. Um, and you wonder if they put pheromones in some of it. Uh, but big money. I mean, this stuff goes for hundreds of dollars in little tiny little jars sometimes. And uh, so when when this woman came in, who we know was likely Mary, uh, it was a beautiful jar. The jar itself was beautiful, and it had expensive perfume. So even since the days of Jesus, they have had this uh, expensive perfume that they have been selling. The, the high-class, fancy-looking jars, and as well, uh, this very expensive perfume. So enough said about that. I mean, you, if you've ever priced it, you can you can go to Dollar General and get the offshoot stuff. Now, here's, here's the difference. It may smell the same, but it doesn't have the oils in it that causes the fragrance to linger all day long. Uh, it's the oils and, and things of that nature that they put in. That I mean, you can you can buy the Dollar General variety stuff. I've got Dollar General across the street from my house. In fact, by the end of summer, there'll be a path between my house and Dollar General. I'm quite sure. Um, you can buy it, but it, it just it, it doesn't have the same long lingering effect. So if you want the good stuff, you got to pay seventy, eighty, ninety, hundred dollars, three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars, five hundred dollars. And, uh, you know, lots of money. This is the type of perfume we're talking about here in this passage. Now, some people, you know, you get on airplanes and they, they put it on, and Claire makes note here, uh, perfume can make you nauseous uh, before. 
and it can. Some people just put it right on, and if you get into a small area, uh, it, it can be nauseating, in fact, an airplane or something like that. So, But enough said about that. I agree. I've been there. It's like, mm, I can't even breathe uh, because it's been put on so strongly. Now, Claire did also put in her notes here in the comments about praying for their Bible study. Um, <clears throat> I need to get you connected with with the people in the Philippines uh, who are doing a great disciple-making ministry over there. The, the, the Asian community is strong, and it's multiplying, and uh, even the Filipino community, uh, not all. I mean, I'm not saying everybody. It's just like here in America, they're pockets and places where things are quite strong, uh, and it's the same way in, in the Philippines and Asia. In fact, I, I've said this before, and this is, this is uh, a rabbit trail. When you look at Europe and you look at America, the church is standing still compared to what's happening in the rest of the world. I can say that having uh, seen it myself, and uh, uh, you know that's where we have to humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face and repent and and acknowledge that we don't know how to do everything and, and ask God to do incredible things in our midst and get away from our boxes and go into, like I'm suggesting on Thursday night, at least one home, at least Jacob's home, but, but maybe three or four different homes doing the same thing, that reading passages of Scripture that would have been taking place on that Thursday night, um, or even some that would say, hey, we will do an all-night prayer vigil uh, with, with a few people. I've done that in the past where you think about the hours of the night and you think about Peter sitting at the fire and, and uh, hearing the, the judgment of Jesus and, and this, this uh, phony trial of Jesus taking place. And uh, I, I've done that before, and that might be something you might say, hey, I, I would do that uh, again, uh, or you would do that yourself perhaps. Just just suggestions of things that maybe you would consider trying. Now, let me get, get us back into the text here. And uh, again, pray for Thursday night's events. Pray for Claire and her study. Uh, pray for the gospel to uh, be expedited throughout America. It's here. Uh, we're just bored with it. And uh, because, uh, sadly, we're bored with Jesus too much. Now, I'll have said this in the comments, and I, I'll share this little tidbit. There's nothing like the aroma of the presence of Jesus and his love, and I agree with that. And may we be people who have that aroma of Jesus just dripping off of our lives through presence with him. Back into the text. Verse 7 said, while he was eating, Jesus was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume, poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good uh, a good thing to me? And uh, I would even say beyond, I would change the word good to a beautiful thing. Because I want to I want to encourage us to think about the beauty of our worship. To not just sing songs and mouth words. Uh, now, you, you, your, your beautiful expression may be putting your hands in your pocket and being very still and very quiet. Sometimes that is my expression in my own, when I'm worshiping, is, is to be quiet. Um, it may be that you stand and raise your hands. It may be that you kneel. Uh, 
but to make sure that our good thing, as it says in the New Living Translation, which I'm beginning to use this more because uh, it is more easily understood in more places around the world where other people speak English. It's one of the most easily, according to Bible translators, um, it's one that's easier for uh, people speaking English in other places to understand. So uh, I, I'm going to that. We, we've tricked ourselves into thinking that uh, there's something special about certain, only certain of the translations. And if you understand how translation even works, it is a major feat. And we'll, we'll talk about that another time. Uh, so he says, verse 20, uh, verse 10, chapter 26, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? I mean, do we not see that sometimes happening in the life of the church? We criticize people for their... Um, we criticize people for the ways they worship. We'll criticize somebody, uh, you know, if if they're still in their worship and maybe they are richly worshiping. We'll criticize stillness. Uh, we'll criticize people if they're uh, waving banners or cords around in the room. We'll criticize that. Uh, we'll criticize people if they're praying while worship is take while worship singing is taking place. We, we criticize what we don't like or what's foreign to us, and, and this is exactly what they've done. And, and may, may I encourage us to not criticize how people worship? The only thing we should be criticizing is false worship. The only thing we should be criticizing are are people who who aren't worshiping. That's what we should criticize, not not the variety of expressions that there are in worship. Um, I I got to see it again, and, and especially when I was in Turkey with people from all around the world, the variety of expressions of worship, the, the, the ways that people conduct themselves in worship, uh, vast differences. May our worship be beautiful. And Jesus continues and says, the poor you always have among you, but you will not always have me. Sometimes it is okay to do something lavish in worship because it is for the Lord. Everything is worship, actually. Everything we do is worship. Whether you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. The way we eat and what we eat, it can be worship. Worship is the acknowledgement of the presence of God and giving gratitude to him. Now, I'm not reading that. That just comes out of the, the reservoir of my own being. Um, but I, I believe that is worship. And sometimes we say, well, there's worship music. Well, preaching is part of worship. Praying is part of worship. Giving is part of worship. Silence is part of worship. Fellowship and greeting is a part of worship. We, we, we had conversation here recently uh, about, you know, well, the greeting time just kind of messes up the worship. Wait a minute. If connection with each other, um, if connection with each other is is an aspect of worship, uh, then why is not the fellowship time also considered part of the worship? It ought to be, the, the greeting time. I mean, that is part of worship. It is all a part of worship. Worship is a heart set. Worship is a mindset. Worship is a surrender. Worship is an acknowledgement of the person and works uh, of, of God. That is what worship is. 
and giving him praise, giving him honor, giving him glory in every single act. Uh, worship takes place driving to church. Worship takes place driving away from church. Uh, worship takes place in our homes. Worship can take place in our showers when you sing your lungs out um, to the Lord, whether it sounds good or not. If you're singing your from your soul, that is worship. They criticize the worship. May we not be people who criticize people's worship, but may rather we be people who are focused on making sure that we ourselves are engaged in truthful, honest, spiritual worship. Jesus said, those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. And so that is what we do. Back to the text. You will always have the poor among you, and not always have me among you. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I mean, they still are not understanding what is about to take place, and he is telling them she's preparing me for burial. I mean, he says it right here, and they still aren't going to get it. Uh, we know that the perfumes used are perfumes used toward the burial of Jesus. Verse 13, I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. To see the discussion. I mean, her deed is remembered. Are our deeds of worship remembered? Now, we shouldn't be trying to draw attention to ourselves in worship. Certainly not. We should be seeking to, to, to help people's eyes be lifted upward in faith and in trust and in worship of our God. But yet her simple, expensive, humble, act of worship was something that would be remembered, that we would evaluate our worship, that we would consider our worship, that we would look at what we were doing. So, and I'll read this in the comment section here. Uh, this is by Nell. Uh, Sunday as I was in worship, Jesus told me to come closer to him, so I sought to press in more. I mean, can, can we have this sense of the Holy Spirit saying, get closer? Absolutely. Jesus said, now come down to the altar and, I'll be, and be with me. So I walked down to the altar and worshiped. If I had not obeyed, uh, I would not be worshiping as Jesus was designed for me. Worship is more about Jesus than my comfort. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And so, uh, and, you know, the Lord spoke was speaking in my heart about something on Sunday as well. And, and so I, you know, I had to deal with some heart things a little bit. Uh, and that's how it ought to be when we are together worshiping, that the Spirit of God prompting us to Take action, whether it's move closer, whether it's kneel down and pray. Uh, I, I feel badly for people that, that don't have any sense of spirits prompting like that. Uh, they're missing out. The spirit does prompt. I mean, he teaches, he reminds, uh, he can be grieved, uh, he can direct uh, some have made it so um, mechanical and so uh, academic. 
Uh, and it should be. I mean, we need to be people of the book, but but there is a spiritual aspect as well as the spirit prompts in our hearts, and and to to follow along in this way is such a such a good thing. Now, here's the beauty, the beauty of of this woman's worship, and for us to consider how do we worship God, and and what do we offer to God. Uh, that's something that we consider. But then we go further into the text, uh, verses. 14 through 16, and we read these words. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priests and asked, How much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? Notice the money here again. Uh, no, notice the difference. There was the beauty and the extravagance of the expensive perfume and the beautiful alabaster jar. Money. The disciples were concerned about the money uh, that would be spent on something like that. Um, and, and criticized her. But here we see money in another way. Money of betrayal. The money of beauty, the money of betrayal, the money of worship, uh, and, and the, the money uh, that leads us away from God. Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priest, asked how much you pay me to betray Jesus to you, and they gave him 30 pieces of silver, something that had been prophesied. And so now this prophecy is coming to fruition. It says from that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Now remember, this is, this is Wednesday. It isn't like he's going to, from that time on, take the next several weeks or months to figure this out. Uh, within within the, a day and a half, uh, by the end of the next day, by the end of Thursday, uh, Judas will have betrayed Jesus uh, into the hands of the soldiers who would come to uh, take Jesus away. So looking for this opportunity was, was very short-lived. I mean, it happened in a very, very quick order. The question we, we could ask ourselves out of this, I mean, kind of maybe in some aspect, maybe spiritualizing this a little bit, but to ask ourselves, uh, for what do we betray Jesus? What's our betrayal price? What are the ways that we could betray Jesus? Do we betray Jesus and not giving a witness for him? Uh, do we betray Jesus when the Holy Spirit is prompting us to do something and we say no, and that is that is quenching the spirit that is written about in 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. Uh, do we betray Jesus when he's saying, now don't do this, but yet we follow through and do something that is sinful, uh, and we grieve the spirit? For what do we betray Jesus? Do we betray Jesus for wealth? Do we betray Jesus for comfort? Do we betray Jesus for uh, to, so that uh, we don't have a bad name with other people? Uh, for what do we betray Jesus? All kinds of things um, for which we might betray Jesus. And there, there are small betrayals and there are large betrayals. I mean, this betrayal would result in Judas taking his life. We know this. This will take place uh, after Jesus' crucifixion. Uh, that that uh, Judas will crucify himself, or at least after the betrayal, will he cru uh, not crucify himself? Will he uh, commit suicide uh, and take his own life? 
But just thinking about this, I mean, do, are we looking for opportunities to betray Jesus? Are we looking for opportunities to to beautify Jesus, looking for opportunities to worship Jesus? Just where are we in the spectrum? There are people who, who do. Now, there, there's a whole theological, robust theological conversation we could have about can one lose their salvation? I just want to say, for those of you that are absolutist, there are other very good Christians who love Jesus who do not hold the same view that you do about eternal security. Uh, and it, it is not that they're bad Christians. It, it's not, in fact, they would say the same about you. It's not that you're a bad Christian because you do believe in eternal security. Uh, I am firmly convinced by the study of the Scripture that one who is truly saved uh, perseveres to the end. I, I, I am convinced of that. I am convinced of two things. I'm convinced that our salvation is uh, a work of God and a work of man. Uh, the Bible teaches both. Salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, unless the Spirit, unless the Father draws someone, they will not come, John 6:44. But unless we uh, confess and believe, uh, we will not be saved. It is both and, not either or. Uh, now, and there's there's conversation among covenant theologians and reformed theologians and uh, Arminian theologians. Those are big terms that you know I'd have to take a, a whole session to define what they all mean. Um, who, who would say there's varying levels of that? Some would say that even the faith with which we believe is a gift from God, uh, and some would say no, it's it's a faith that we generate uh, from our own being. Listen, rather than parting ways on those things and parting hairs on those things, we have to acknowledge the Bible does say both of those things. Uh, the, Bible, the Bible speaks of the elect, but the Bible also speaks of whosoever will. And uh, when you think of the, the message preached by uh, the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 2, uh, we see him, when the people say, what must we do to be saved? Believe and be baptized, every one of you. We see repentance and faith coming together. We see the Apostle Paul uh, in uh, Romans chapter 10 speaking about this as well. Let me, let me show you this. Uh, I don't know why I've, I've gone down this road other than the fact that there are uh, ways that we betray Jesus. Uh, and here it is. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse uh, 8, 9. 10, 11, in fact, let me put this in the uh, NIV 84 because I know this better. Uh, what does it say? What does the scripture say? The word is near you, it's in your mouth, in your heart, it's the word of faith we are proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified with your heart, uh, with your mouth you confess and are saved. And the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And uh, it's a both and. And uh, I, I am not a Calvinist, uh, purely. I am not a Reformed covenant uh, theologian, purely. I am not a dispensationalist, purely. Because I think, personally, in my opinion, some of those camps put things into boxes that go beyond scripture, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and it has to ignore certain scriptures uh, to to make its conclusions. And I, I think there's danger in that. 
and 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 I have great respect for people who uh, are in those camps. Uh, Vody Bakum is an example. I was listening you know, a couple of days ago to a uh, discourse between the difference between John MacArthur and Vody Bakum is an example who who are good friends. Um, and they do not disparage each other, but they land in some different places on things. Let's be careful to keep the worship of Jesus central, and let's be careful that we don't become like Judas uh, and betray him. What, I'm, what am I interested in? I'm interested in helping others love Jesus. That's what I'm interested in, and I'm interested in helping others trust in Jesus. Yes, it is a work of the Holy Spirit. I believe that. Uh, God works by his word. I believe that. But we also call people to, um, to their own personal response. I believe that as well. Uh, may we be people who uh, make Christ beautiful. May we be people who don't betray him, but acknowledge him and make him known. Lord, help us today to be people who are beautiful in worship. Help us to realize that worship is an everyday thing. Not just a Sunday thing, but an everyday thing. Help us to, to, to be beautiful in you and for you and to make your name beautiful as we live, as we breathe, and as we go our way today. Lord, be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, have a great day. Uh, remember, there's prayer time at church this morning about uh, 9.30. Uh, and then uh, the events tomorrow night taking place. Have a great day, everyone.